At a time when many of life's little luxuries have been taken away, or at least put on hold, our sponsor Ole is here to ensure we can all still indulge in some of the finer things in life. I am in love with their retinol collection. I have tried all the creams, lads. And I mean all of them. And this makes my skin feel incredible. Really glowy, really strong, really bright, which in winter is a tricksy old thing. With Ole, I can face anything. Seriously, anything. And there's a lot going on, let's be honest. Mean girls being on Netflix, food porn on Instagram, and the stretch in the evenings. There are a million things that I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? Sometimes those no's, or seemingly like no's, are timing things and I think they can be from the universe to be like not yet give it a second there'll be a reason. I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to Thanks a Million where we explore our guests personal gratitude lists to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Now my guest today started out in stand-up at 24 describing it as love at first sight. After storming Edinburgh in the comedy festival in 2010 and winning best newcomer the same year for her show Hero Warrior Fireman Liar she quickly began to appear on every single panel show worth doing, although her stints on 8 out of 10 Cats does count down are particularly epic. Go see them on YouTube where they have amassed quite a colossal amount of views. Many will know her from starring alongside Ricky Gervais in Afterlife or opposite Greg Davies in Man Down, but her own hit show Game Face on Channel 4 will forever be a favourite. Well, until she writes and stars in her next hit, that is. The show is divine and so is she. Here is the time that I read out your Thanks a Million trio. So do keep sending them in. Follow me on Instagram at Angela Scanlon and you can share them. The hashtag is Thanks a Million trio or, you know, just comment in something. Wild Kitchen in Le Hinge say tasting the first wild garlic, pepper dulce and sweet shell dillisk. That sounds like Irish porn. Listening to my middle son play the piano, making chocolate fudge cake with my youngest boy. That sounds idyllic. Ooh, David Long being paid to garden, watching beautiful sunsets for free and workout videos online. Clean man right there. Kitchen dances with my daughter. Fave of mine too. Sue, Sue Maria Webb, technology so I can chat with my family that tomorrow is Friday and living with someone I love. I mean, tomorrow is technically not Friday, just in case you had a little shit fit there and thought that you had lost a few days. Sharon Shields, homemade pizzas with my hubby watching the sunrise, driving home from work in daylight. I love them. Keep them coming in, 88 291 jokes. Uh, yeah, get me on Instagram. Okay, into the episode. I I just have to tell you straight off, okay, this hasn't happened to me across three series. However, I don't know if it's because I got a little bit excited. I've been trying to pin Roisin Conaty down for a very long time. Oh, I never told you who it was, did I? <laughs> it's Roisin Conaty. Um, yeah, she's a good pal of mine. She's also one of the best people I know. And she considers things very deeply. And so to get her to think about these questions and come back and to find a time and to actually... Anyway, I'm blathering. But long story short, I stuck my earphones in the wrong hole. That's not a euphemism. So what it has meant is that for portions of this chat, when we in a natural human way converse, 
there was like giant echoey reverb stuff. So it had to be kind of tidied up and edited out. You'll hear some of it. It might be annoying, but you're used to that by now. There are also beautiful, eloquent monologues that Roisin does. We wind her up and let her off. So um, you're going to enjoy them immensely. And actually, maybe you'll be grateful that I can't interject and, you know, interrupt people, which is sometimes an awful habit of mine. It's a nervous twitch. What can I say? Anyway, we talk about meditation, gang. And so if you haven't dipped your toe or, or gone for it, this is a really, really good way to wrap your head around what it is and what it might be able to bring to your life. We talk sobriety. We talk game face, obviously. Humour. How time can be a healer in an unexpected way. And an old, old friend who left a bit of a mark. So, enjoy this one. How are you doing? I'm good, I think. Yeah, I am up and down, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, the fact that you can't just escape outdoors all the time does feel a bit more suffocating. Yeah, 100%. I think you have that, you've got nowhere to take your feelings. That's what I've worked out during lockdown is I have bags of feelings all the time. And normally I go and distribute them with friends or over coffees or at the cinema. I leave, I leave a, you literally go and shake off some feelings at Soho Theatre or whatever at the gym or yoga. And I never go to the gym or yoga. Some people, that's where they shake their feelings off. And now sometimes I'm just like bloated on feelings. Oh my God, that's (laughs) such a good visual though. Are those things previously, the Soho Theatre, are they technically distractions though? I think they're distractions, but they're also what contribute to a life. They're healthy distractions for me. They're things that I enjoy. And of course, some certain things you think, oh, that is definitely a distraction. But connection is what it is, isn't it? If you go and get to connect with friends properly and have a dinner, a nice long dinner with friends you really trust and care about and love, takes years off you. (laughs) All of us need that. Sometimes you just feel a bit natural life stress accumulation and and in our heads it's not good to be in your own head the whole time you need someone else to bang the feeling out your head and be like shut up yeah (laughs) it's true actually I do think those things like you lose touch with how how important they are when you haven't had them in a long time but how full you can feel after a moment or a like just a really lovely hour of connection with someone and you leave and you're like even if the feelings or the stuff is still roaming around in your head there's a kind of comfort to it all that fuels you 100% I was gonna say something there now that was very profound but it's gone out of my head oh come on give yourself a second It'll come back to me. I feel like I'm sweating profusely. I recently bought a ring light. I'm just going to show you it here. Ooh. You haven't got it on now for me, though, have you? No. <laughs> Do you know how a ring light works, Rob? I was like, what kind of a pervert are you? <laughs> I think you need to Google ring light. I know what ring lights are, but I just thought they're for acting auditions, not for friends. <laughs> they're for tricking casting directors into thinking you look at me, you look better. Yeah. This is true, yeah. But actually, you do really notice it now. I'm like, oh my God, that is grim when you don't have it on. Oh no, you always look, you look 12. Yeah, 12 with acne. No, you got that, you got that, 
you got that ginger, beautiful skin. That's like <laughs> ginger skin, red alabaster yeah. skin, ginger like redheaded skin. That's like proper. You know, you just give a brolly over that, so you never have any. Just protect it. And um, I saw that dude, Jesse, big game face fan. Oh, from Modern Family. I know. How lovely. What a sweet man. What that a is lovely. Man. So it's yeah. on, is it on Hulu over there? It's on Hulu, yeah. And people are just discovering it, I think, because of obviously lockdown. People are run, running out of things to watch. So my little show is getting watched. So it's really cool. Yeah, it's really sweet of him. I was over the moon. I'm a massive Modern Family fan. My sister literally just lost her mind this morning. She is obsessed. She watches it like that and the American office. She just watches relentlessly. It's lovely though. And also lovely after the fact when you've birthed it and all of the noise and the hype has settled and then it's still living and breathing out there. It's a really nice feeling. You get, I've got more messages sort of during lockdown than I did before about it because people are discovering it. So it's just the second series has just started in Australia. It is nice that you go, oh, people are watching that show during this time. I'm a person looking for stuff to watch as well. So it's nice when people send you messages or whatever and saying, I really like the show and it's really funny. And yeah, it's lovely. I'm you know, very proud. We all work really hard on it. So it's nice when um, people like your work, you just feel good. It makes you feel nice. I love it. It's magical. I still quote it as my favourite thing on telly, even oh, though it's man, not on telly at the moment. But whenever I'm asked, I'm like, game face, it's the one. Okay, Roisin, what are you thankful for today? Oh... Today, in this moment, I'm thankful that I got my roof fixed. <laughs> Go on. How long has it been broken? For? I mean, it's been a it's been a damp lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking hole in the roof? We've been living like the twits. Sure. <laughs> Buckets. Because... Stop it. Rainwater is really good for your drip. hair. There's, FYI. One drip. There's one bit, but this is only near the door now. This is fine. But the rest has been like buckets and bath towels in the kitchen and it's been uh on the worst days of lockdown it really exacerbates the sort of like you think like I remember last year and it was like holidays and, and eating out and then you're sitting there like just drips coming in and they came yesterday and they were good there's still a bit they've got fixed but they came they went up on the roof and they just fixed the roof and today I just feel like dry yeah I do feel dry it's really nice I think I was getting like what do people get when they, when they get soggy feet in a can they go out is it soggy feet or burnt feet toe rot hypothermia toe. yeah but it's the one where they get wet frostbite I feel like <laughs> something like frostbite just okay. wet frostbite yeah um, no but yeah you know how you don't realize the thing has been adding to your sort of like anxiety until it stops and you think oh yeah I have been living in fear of the ceiling collapsing so that would also have you get used to things and then when they get fixed you're like oh that's a big deal yeah the roof not collapsing on me was that has been a worry actually yeah <laughs> in some little crevice in my mind I was a little anxious yeah, about that little you know obviously in these days just having a, like literally a roof over my head and then even with it like patched up and all that and today I woke up this morning and went over, I was thinking of what you're going to ask me. And I thought the first thing that came to my head, I was like, I've got roof over my head that I don't feel like this morning. I'm like, easy boys, don't fall in. <laughs> Checking around. the weather forecast yeah. furiously under <laughs> the duvet. That's what we do. That's what we've been doing. Like, I check the weather forecast and I'm like, oh God, oh no. Like it's been the worst. Going to need extra towels tomorrow. 
<laughs> Literally, you know, like the bath mats just everywhere, buckets at windows. We've been living like the twits. I don't even know if it is the twits. They're roll doll drawings, though, who have buckets everywhere. And I just think the it's visual the is cute, though, Isn't it? and galvanizing. The thank fuck for this, Roisin. So the thing, I like it to be inanimate that you'd be lost without. It's a combination. I'll start with meditation and my sobriety. So meditation and my sobriety, especially during this lockdown. I always feel like I have a brain that's just all over the place, always it's got a lot of channels and they're always on. <laughs> My brain is like going into a sports bar where there's 55,000 channels and people just screaming for chicken wings. Yeah, That's okay. Yeah. With the wings. And so, yeah, meditation for me, the willingness to do it and doing it has been so... I'm so thankful for everyone who talks about it, who creates meditations for people to follow. Yeah, I'm sober. And I'm so grateful for my sobriety. I'm so grateful for my sobriety. And my meditation helps with that. A friend texted me the other day and I was like, how are you doing? She said, yeah, 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 fine, mainlining meditation. And I was like, I love that. that. Even if it does become your, your vice or your plaster, that's fine. Of all the things, I feel like that's all right. Because I get a little bit frantic with it. And there are times when I'll become not dependent, but I feel like it's my go-to when I get frazzled or I might go to the fridge before or I might lash out or numb in different ways. I find myself going, I'm just going to go run a bath and meditate. I don't think that's dependent. I think that's I think that's foreseeing. And that's what it gives you is being like, oh, you know, that bit where you go, it gives... It buys you the pause and it just the pause gets longer. So you feel yourself getting into those thoughts of fear and less than and lack of. And you go, OK, wait, <laughs> let's just go and, and through gratitude and, and whatever you need to focus on, you can. But the practice of going in it and, and realising that your thoughts are not reality is And the are truth. not you. And they're not you and they're not the world that you are participating in your world and, and that you can have that 20 minutes, a half an hour or 40 minutes where I'm able to regroup with my thoughts and be like rubbish. You know, I'm not going to have those in my head today. And that, that just getting rid of those, there's so much, sometimes it's hard having a new experience because you're just experiencing it through the frame of all the other experiences like that. And meditation lets you experience. For me, I'm able to experience people anew places are new things are new are you like in full silence if I'm in a sort of peaceful state roughly and as a peaceful being I can do I did because I went to I've been on retreats and stuff because I went to a place called Sharpham House in Devon and you do three 40 minutes a day yeah morning afternoon and the evening yeah you sent and, um, me there I did, didn't yeah, I? Loved it. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and I, I I remember thinking when I got there, thinking forty minutes. This is I've got to do forty minutes. And then I, when I got back and I started doing twenty minutes, I was like, oh, it's not enough. It t- took me sort of twenty minutes to quite for my brain, like a toddler, to tire itself out. I read a quote recently that it was like you do meditation to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. Yes. And I think so many people stop. They're like, meditation, no. I tried Headspace one five minutes. was an absolute, I couldn't even sit through five minutes. There's so many people who are wildly fearful of sitting down and meditating. Like it's a thing for a monk on a rock. 
Yes. And obviously that's changing. But like, how long have you done it for? Was it a necessity? Did you go, okay, I want to focus on my sobriety. This is going to be the thing that helps me to get there. And that was enough of a, a motivation to go, I'm going to, I'm going to do I think it was, I did meditation sporadically. I was always interested in it and I always felt like it was something, I think you always know the things that you should do really. People keep saying it and you're like, no, and you have all the reasons not to. I always felt like, yeah, that's something I should do. And so I went to a few meditation classes and I do it like all good things. And that's why you do them to get you out of a place they work, they take away, you help you with your anxiety, they help you feel better, you exercise, your endorphins go, you start to feel better when you stop doing the thing. Back in the game. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, I feel great now, I don't have to do it. Thank God I did that meditation once, now yeah. I don't have to. And it's and that's the thing, it's a, what did someone say the other day, you can't get clean on yesterday's shower. And it's such a great, like you have to, every day, you have to bring that old brain into the shower. And yeah. I'm just able to cope with things. If I've meditated and I'm well slept and I've had water, <laughs> I'm able to cope with the world. If those three things are up in the... I'm, I'm like, oh, God, it's all too much. And then my mum's like, you need to lie down. I'm like, mother, you have no idea. I used to... Re- and I don't know whether that's a real Irish mother thing. I used to always rubbish it. Be like, Do you know what you need now? I'd be in the depths. Do you know what you need now? A good sleep. And yeah. I'd be like, it's seven o'clock. It's not got, my heart is still going to be broken in the morning or whatever. Oh, the nothing... I'll tell my mum the most, like the most essential rant about my life, everything that's going on. And she'll look at me, she'll go, ah, Pet, you're tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just opened, and she's right. <laughs> you're tired. But there is truth to it. There's this, I think sometimes we see ourselves as very complex. There are basic things like, have you moved today? Have you been able to spend some time with yourself? Which is what meditation is for me, where you didn't have to be on your phone, where you weren't saying, you didn't sit with yourself as a bully or a boss going have you done this have you done that being able to sit with yourself in peaceful space with yourself with whatever and most days I don't always get that on the days I do and the fact that I can do it is I'm eternally grateful and I'm eternally grateful for every Tara Brackett's one I've been listening to recently every sort of person who's done a meditation um guided meditation and you've listened to when you needed to on your way to something that's stressing you out or a podcast like this where you're able to listen to it go okay it's positive and yeah I'm very grateful for that okay the thank you next so a chapter of your life that is closed now something that may be this one I won't go into any more detail hit me I guess one of the ones I was thinking about this yesterday and um like what would I say and I I guess an example would be when Gameface made the pilot in 2014 and it didn't get picked up and it was really devastated I was really like oh my god because they put the pilot out it done really well and I just felt a bit like oh I was building to this sort of moment where I felt like the pilot was good and then just nothing I was a bit at sea because you're the person then who's made a pilot that didn't get picked up and that feels like it's a bit and listen that's not doesn't mean anything there's loads of people made pilots and got picked up and made amazing shows but just at that moment you're like in stand-up or everything you're in you can sort of write another show and you can put it on and this is the thing you're not it's a commissioner it has to you're not in control of it and I was like oh oh and so in that time when I thought it wasn't getting picked up 
I wrote another script and that got picked up that got with a production company and and I wrote another script and that's also with someone and then Game Face got picked up two years later but in that time my writing improved so much because I was writing other things what I learned about TV and how to make TV just those two years that I was so sure I was like what's happening before it got commissioned I just it gave this sort of thing where I was like I can't believe this two years I felt like quite like why have I had to wait this two years as killed the show and all this sort of we've lost the momentum yeah what I learned and even now because I'm working on one of the things is that I wasn't a one show writer and that by writing other stuff it showed me where I needed to change how I was writing about for game phase and so that was a huge one for me I was able to re-examine the show as a whole and tighten up I learned a lot, a lot about structure and there's a thing I'm I didn't have, like, over a series arcs, I felt like I really learned something. When you go, oh, my God, I think I've learned something here. Like, I think I le- I've worked out how to, and not a formula, but I really struggled before that. So, yeah, those two years where I felt like the show's not getting picked up. And it wasn't even when Game Face got picked up. I didn't even feel it when Game Face got picked up. It was only, I would say, going into the second series of Game Face, I was able to really appreciate those two years. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm glad because the second series is so different to write to a first and having written other things during that time, yeah, really helped me. So I think that sometimes those no's or seemingly like no's are timing things. And I think they can be from the universe to be like, not yet, give it a second, there'll be a reason. It's interesting, that idea of realising in that period when you're quite vulnerable and waiting for the yes and then you're able to write on other shows, that actually you must then come back to Game Face going this is a bonus but it's not my everything not everything was resting on the success of that show because you already knew that you could do it in other yeah because another show had been commissioned by a different I don't want to say too much but like I'd been and so we were about to do that we were about to film that and then Game Face came in and so yeah it was and of course I was delighted Game Face was commissioned and it was it felt huge and all of the stuff and it's you. But it gave me confidence. Well, it's not you, but yeah, it's it, like, yeah. yeah. It gave me confidence to feel like just that time in that two years, whereas at one point I, I felt, oh, this was a wasted period of time. Going into my second series of Game Face, I had a real sort of awakening moment thinking those two years were really beneficial, actually. Like I learned a lot about writing. I would have made mistakes that I didn't end up making. You know, not the show's perfect by any means. And I don't want to sound like someone who is like, I learned so much about writing. That's why the show, that's not it. Comparatively, I did improve a lot. Yeah. Yeah, which is amazing to be able to look back, even if it is in hindsight and go, oh, those two years that you probably slightly berated yourself or maybe not berated yourself, but like the frustration of being ready. I'm ready. This is my shot. What are you waiting for? And I think there's that kind of... Two years feels like a lifetime when you're chomping at the bit and ready to go. And this is the gig. A hundred percent. But more feeling like, so there was so much, I just thought it wasn't getting commissioned for a start. So going off to write different scripts entirely. Then when Game Face got commissioned, I was like, what a waste. It's all been a waste of time. And none of it was a waste of time. And sometimes it takes a couple of years away from a thing to go, oh, that two years was actually really important overall. But when you're in the midst of it, 
sometimes you've got to be a couple of years away from something to be like oh that's really yeah that was really important actually rise above yourself watch yourself you're like oh hang on if I can just pull myself out of here and have a little bird's eye view about how this looks in in the grand scheme of a life it's actually it's no time at all that's what I don't know meditation or, or or I think that's always what everyone's trying to do is everyone wants absolute certainty about what's going to happen. We want to be assured that it's all going to be okay. And you go, we're all going to die. So let's just start from there. So learning to live with uncertainty without terror and without feeling like, I don't know, so you can enjoy your life rather than get through your life. Is that's the thing I just feel like I don't want to just be like just get through this just get through this just get through this <laughs> and then be like oh I feel like I'm trying to survive something that is un- you can't survive life you, you die at the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well it you is know? that but that survival mode is it's how so many of us are operating that kind of like something's coming to get you quick we're in such a hurry because there's a sense that there's doom and that it's around every corner and we can't trust and there's lack and there's all of those different things when you're not conscious of the driving force for a lot of those it's very unsettling you don't have a day to lose because everything is stacked against you yeah and I think we're just I don't know running from them that if you run and you work hard enough that you can avoid the vicissitudes of life if you run and you work hard enough and and you meditate hard enough and you love it that bad things won't come and if you do this and that you can avoid it all and I think as we can see it's not always the case but that's part of being alive and I think to try and avoid so much of being alive can be sometimes uncomfortable but if you're scared of being uncomfortable that's a double thing like it's a work like that's so you're like, I'm comfortable Jesus Christ I'm uncomfortable yeah, and you're, you're like doubling oh, no, down just on it. Yeah, yeah where you go oh, I'm uncomfortable and learning to be okay and I'm not I sound like I've been like mm, I struggle with it it's my dream I have days where I get better at it but overall I think that's for personally for me is always feeling uncomfortable but not being okay with it life can be uncomfortable sometimes it means you're being vulnerable and if you seek comfort the whole time you, it's like if I say stay here, no one will find me. Get from my life, and then I, and then you go. But I want things. Oh, like, you, know, <laughs> you can't have it always. Okay, the thanks that got away. Okay, so this sounds because I don't quite remember her name. So when I was about seven or eight, we moved to Ireland. My mum and dad split up, and we moved to Ireland to Chile, and we moved. Um, into this house my mum was very depressed because she'd gone for a breakup and it was a very hard time for her and it was the 80s in Ireland and so it was very different Ireland you know very different space and, and especially compared to Camden in London and we've got these two kids who are very like London accents and stuff and my mum was sort of very depressed and there was a birthday party, I remember, nearby, a kid's birthday party that we, we weren't invited to. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a kid's birthday that I wasn't at. As a child, you just can't understand that. And it was the first time so my mum really upset about it because she was a single mum. But there were these kids, they were a bit older than us. I'd say she must have been about 11 or 12. So I was, I'd say seven or eight, maybe, seven or eight. I think her name was Mary, the girl, and her brother, I think, was John. She was about 11 and they lived with their grandmother in housing for old people. Those sort of like bungalow houses, like they they definitely where old people live. And I'm not speaking out of turn, I hope. 
they were a bit definitely like they didn't have very nice clothes and stuff uh, a little bit odd and and the kids around sort of where we lived didn't play with them and stuff they were a little bit just a bit isolated their parents weren't around they were living with their grandmother and I don't know how we became friends and she was so nice but she used to she came into my house once my mum was in bed I think like we'd come from London I'd never lit a fire in my life so I'd just be like it's cold mum's in bed I guess and she lit the fire I was like I thought she was like some sort of witch I was like how do you are you even allowed to do that I'm not even allowed to but then she did it she'd come over like just to check the fire was on. My mum was in bed or whatever. And my mum always put the fire, sometimes it just wasn't on. And not for long, like maybe about a good two months, I'd say. She'd come and she'd just like potter. I was so young and she, she must've been, I'd say 10 or 11, she was a few years older than me. But I never thanked her. I never said that she was doing this lovely thing coming out and she was always looking after her own grandmother. It was such a lovely thing. And this kid who I didn't ask, anything about her I genuinely can't remember or maybe she didn't want to talk about it I must have sensed something because I was quite but this thoughtful child really kind with her own I felt like she had they had their own I felt that heaviness on them they had their own stuff yeah I felt it like when we go and knock for them I was like why do they live with this old lady and their clothes are not dirty but just old like wrong they don't play with the other kids and because they're not from here as well it felt a bit odd and it's a very, it, but it was just such a, such kindness that she'd come over. And I had no friends and she'd come over and listen. And I, I just remember nodding along to this sort of kid waffling. And I just had one, <laughs> one tape that I used to listen on repeat on my Walkman, which was circles in the sand round and round. And I just remember like, and I listened to it and she went, okay, okay. But like, she was just very love, just very kind, just very thoughtful. And then my mum, like my mum got better and all that. Mum was like, that child, did her nan send her over? Did she, did, was it of herself to be like, go and knock on the door and pretend to do, it was to see whether things were okay, like to see where the fire was on. There was stuff I was like, what are you doing? I didn't know how to do stuff like that. She would do stuff. I remember her putting her uniforms out. She was like, oh, have you got uniform? It was like, yeah, I guess they'll be around. My mum will do that, but she did it. And she was like 11. So the big thanks. My mum. Yeah, it's my mum. It always. My mum is, you know, definitely the most important person. And my sister, because my sister will listen to this and be furious, but she gets it. Yeah, my mum, her resilience and her kindness. And she has, she's never let, that stuff she's I don't know I feel like she didn't let life harden her and I'm so grateful for that I'm so thankful for my mum's softness with me always such a soft space there's no hardness on her or edges on her for me and and listen it's a family relationships are complex I'm not I don't want to I don't want to take away I don't want to disrespect her she's flawed and all the things and we disagree on things and there's lots of stuff but that soft space for me is from which all my anything good comes from that I think she creates like a soft bowl and then she's like holding she's always held it underneath which is like I got you yeah it's very sort of whimsical way of saying it but I'm 
just thankful for because she could have there could be a different story and my dad's dead and I think when you lose a parent you your gratitude increases for the one that's still there it has to and you try to in that's where you try to spend most of your time because it's because they're not around forever yeah she's a dreamboat nutcase lover to death (laughs) you say it's whimsical and I actually don't think so at all that's being wide open that's being soft that's allowing yourself or not allowing yourself but it's rebelling against everything that life tells you you should do which is hard and give yourself corners for protection and for all of those different things obviously trauma exists on on a spectrum but I think it is such an act of wild courageousness to be able to like stay living with your heart wide open and I think that's amazing that's it that's exactly it that is exactly it and everyone's relationship is different and stuff but that my mum just there's a that's exactly what you just said I can't say it better than that is it's that she refused to harden and I feel like I have that have that space and I've always felt that even she yeah that she is loving just very loving and I'm grateful and she's the only person not the only person but if I've gone past a certain level of sadness she's the only person that can make me laugh because her brain works in a different way so you don't know what's going to come out of her mouth so it's true comedy in that no one saw that like coming at all in any way and she can make me laugh and as long as I've got sober this has happened it's quite freaky she'll make me laugh so much then I feel like I want to start crying because because it's the shock of what she said and I'm so I'm like it's it's too great it's too funny it's too in this moment that you've said those words is so absolutely mental (laughs) but I told you it's it's not that funny this is just a silly mishearing thing but I told you at the time when I told her I wanted to bring her to the Serengeti my mum doesn't like really going anywhere hot. Also, when she goes to Spain, last time she was in Spain, she phoned me and told me she was watching a documentary on Ireland. <laughs> That's what all the Irish do when they're in Spain, to be fair. <laughs> she said, I'm watching a great documentary on Ireland. I was like, are you joking? <laughs> she also phoned me again from Spain to tell me to tell Rob Beckett that he was wearing nice shoes on the Royal Royal. Important <laughs> feedback. Yeah, I was like, okay. She, I, I was trying to take her to, I said, let's go to Serengeti. And she's going, oh, I'm not going to say, no, I'd be baking out there. And she's getting all high because she thought I was just going to book it. And because uh, I always say, I'm just going to book it. I'm just going to book it. And then she was walking out of the room and said, mum, don't you want to see a herd of elephants? And she went, she turned around and like properly looked at me like, what? And she went, of course I've heard of elephants. What? <laughs> <laughs> asked her but she was properly like oh she of course I've heard of elephants <laughs> you want to see her of elephants yeah so oh, she's my I big I'm that. very grateful for her oh that's magic okay finally the gift yes. that you are most grateful for this can be like frivolous shiny like some the opposite of meditation like pure materialistic oh I've definitely been given great gifts over the years. And I think everyone who's bought me a present would be like, is she kidding me right now? Were you thinking the gift was a characteristic? Yeah. Go on, go with that. So many people do. I love that. Go with that. I guess my mind is humour. Like, it's funny. And I'm so, uh, I'm so grateful for it. And I never used to be. Of course I was. 
but grateful for it not just because of my career but because of my life that I think being able to see something through the lens of a funny eyes <laughs> life I think it should be light a big laugh a big lot of belly laughing with a load of people belly laugh you can't pay for that the ability to participate in that and ability to create that I'm really grateful for that that I can that I am whether you find me funny or not but I love laughing and I love I think to be funny sometimes you've got to want to laugh that's what I've always felt and sometimes people are like oh I'm very funny but you don't feel like you want to laugh (laughs) you've got to want to laugh yeah and it's become my life and always felt like there was no other choice I'm very grateful that I'm able to use that and to choose to really see the funny side of even the darkest situations there's always something funny happening everything's funny eventually it's just time everything becomes funny some at some point and I think that's as I get older the more I'm grateful that's a part of me that I can tap into and I don't it's that it helps me connect it's about connection and it just it really does help me connect with people and I need connection so much and so if it just makes that a bit easier then that's a good thing I am extremely grateful for your humor and for everything else and for your openness and your honesty and your ability even to articulate it all and to share it so thank you oh thanks Andrew it was lovely massive massive thank you to Roisin and I hope you enjoyed that I found myself thinking about this episode for days afterwards so if you loved it please do share it with somebody that's how people find it right if you want to follow Roisin she's at RoisinConnity1 on Instagram also if you haven't already Game Face hunt it down find it on Hulu on all four online wherever it's having like a rebirth because everyone's at home in lockdown needing something that is purely heart-filled and joyful and will make you laugh and wee at the same time. And as ever, if it has sparked any ideas about what you're grateful for, I'd love to hear about them. So do drop me a line using the hashtag Thanks a Million Trio. I'm on Angela Scanlon on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts and leave a review if you're feeling that way inclined. It does really, really help and just spread the word. And if you loved any of the chat about meditation, my newsletter this week touches on some of my favourites. The guided ones, the silent ones, some of the music I like to listen to for meditation. So you can subscribe to that. Go to my Instagram page and there's a little linky tree thing there that you can um, click. It is free and it lands in your inbox every Sunday. So anyway, I'm off. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. I really do. And I mean that. Merci beaucoup for listening. Thanks a million. I've been Angela Scanlon. I'm mildly deranged in this moment. Side note, I have launched a newsletter because, you know, what else have I to be doing? You can go find it via my Instagram and I share things that I've been listening to and reading and watching, uh, some little recipes in there, loads of random shit really, but I think you're going to like it.